Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together and we have some wonderful people helping us along the way. Now, parenting young children can be tough. They can get overloaded, stuck, frustrated. And as we've talked about before, they need our help when their limbic systems and their limbic brains are on meltdown. So what can you say, think, and do to help your children manage their big feelings and learn to do as you ask? Today, we're talking a second time with pediatric psychologist, Dr. Lynn Kenny, about how to handle the tantrums, the I won'ts and the I can'ts to help you parent with more collaboration, peace, and calm in your family. And teachers, listen in as well because there are great strategies for you too. Pediatric psychologist, Dr. Lynn Kenny, has a PsyD and is an international educator and author of five books on improving executive functions and social emotional learning in children ages three to 12. Currently, Dr. Kenny is preparing for a 20 city international tour to bring two to three minute classroom cognitive physical activities that engage attention, memory, cognitive flexibility, and self-regulation worldwide. And they are awesome. Learn about it at hashtag the kinetic classroom at www.lynnkenny.com. I'm so excited about this podcast episode as the previous one that I did with Dr. Lynn Kenny is almost a must listen for any parent. It's focused on calming down strategies when big feelings overtake our children. Her partner, Wendy Young, also did a podcast with us on big feelings and anger. And both of these podcast episodes have been highly shared and extremely popular and for good reason. You really do walk away with a roadmap of what to do and what to say during these challenging times with young children. So let's get right into this week's episode on tempers and tantrums with Dr. Lynn Kenny. Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Oh, it's great to talk with you today, Dr. Robin. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. I know that I have a lot of listeners who found out I was interviewing you a second time, actually wrote in questions, which I handpicked for today. And I know that a lot of people are extremely excited to hear your answers to their questions and whatever else you say, because they hang on your words. You really provide such a good service to to parents of young children. So thank you for being here. My honor. So before we jump into this topic on tempers and tantrums, can you tell us a little bit about why this topic is something that you found interesting or important or necessary to discuss in today's world? Well, I think that most parents and teachers interact with kids who experience 
feelings overload. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a daughter who has very, very strong feelings. She's now 19 years of age. And uh, many of these strategies I've used with her and she slowly has even used them with others. I mean, she's actually quite good with her friends. Um, Then we have our grandchildren and the students in our classrooms. Uh, People get overwhelmed. They get overloaded. Sometimes we parents or teachers say things we didn't really mean to say. And so understanding how the brain works and what you can say, think, and do really helps. Well, this is going to be great. So you mentioned feelings overload. So what is it? What do we need to know? Well, I think that as human beings, every day we're facing these task demands, right? We have to get up. We've got to make our bed. We've got to get off to school. Uh, We've got to go to work. And for every task demand, there are certain executive function skill sets that you need in order to meet the requirements of everyday life. And they might be attention or memory or cognitive flexibility or self-regulation, a big one, right? And what happens in life is that if you're faced with a task that exceeds your current skill sets, like in the moment, truly, like if you haven't eaten breakfast or you didn't sleep or you had a fight with your, somebody in your family, Basically, that moment, you don't have the skill sets in order to do what you need to do. And that puts us into a stress response, leading us to be overwhelmed and overloaded by our feelings. So the feelings overload is what leads those children to have the tantrums in the first place. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I would say that what really leads them to have the tantrum is that they're being asked to do or they need to do something that they don't have the skills for. And because they don't can't because they can't talk about it, negotiate about it, find a new way, their their limbic brain starts to fire on all cylinders and they lose it. So tell me a little bit more, if we can be specific, if a child can't get what they want, then what happens in their system that leads to the actual tantrum? Okay, great question. So, you know, in very simple terms, very, very simple, because the brain's complex, you've got three different centers that we focus on, right? You've got the cerebellum, which we call boots, and then you've got the limbic system, which we call the caveman, Mm -hmm. and then you've got the frontal lobe and the prefrontal cortex, which we call the thinker. And in children zero to five, their limbic area, the area of their brain that evaluates, am I safe, vulnerable, or dangerous? Should I be frightened? Am I threatened in this moment? That area of the brain responds more because the frontal centers, the prefrontal cortex specifically in the frontal lobes is still developing for a long time, like till you're 25 and maybe beyond. Hmm. So you tend to get these feeling, big feeling and emotional responses when the task demands are too big because the kid doesn't have the cognitive skills to calm themselves down or manage themselves in the moment. Mm-hmm. That's exactly, that's like technically what happens with the brain. Okay, okay. So then why would, I mean, I know that this is a question that a lot of parents have been directing to us and, and again, knowing that you were going to be on. Why do children resist doing what we would believe as Mm -hmm. teachers and coaches and parents, simple things like (laughs) getting in the car. Like why are they resisting doing simple things like getting in the car or putting on their shoes or brushing their teeth or getting ready for school and doing what they're told by their parents? It's such a great, so I'm laughing because don't we all experience this? Yes. To us as adults, we think it's simple. You know why? 
because we have the one we have the self-regulation tools often to calm ourselves down we can breathe or call a friend or turn on some music but most importantly Robin we have the language to negotiate and persuade when we're not getting what we want mm. and these children don't have that those language abilities so even though getting into the car seems really simple if they, as an example, want to finish the last piece of their French toast, or they run and run in and get their blankie, or, you know, because you're, you're, what you're saying is new task demand, brain, you've got to shift neural networks, we're coming from our cozy, comfy home with our loving parents, and we're getting in the car and we're going to school. And so the child says, oh my gosh, change of circumstance, better prepare, need my lovey. But they don't have the language to tell you all those things. And that's just one example, mm -hmm. right? So the brain, the limbic system says, oh my gosh, we're in a vulnerable situation. Oh my gosh, we're being threatened. And that's why they resist doing simple things. It, mm -hmm. It's actually really complicated, mm -hmm. isn't it? We mm -hmm. think it's really simple, but for them, it's really not. Mm -hmm. Okay. So <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm going to press a little bit more. I mean, I was going to ask you this a little bit later, but I really want to know, and I know people are probably hanging, like, going, okay, so <laughs> right. I'm in the situation, and <coughs> the child won't get in the car, and I am, um, I, I, the, the, I see, the, okay, so French toast is on the table, okay, they want their lovey, whatever, but what am I now what what am I doing in this situation they won't what's get in their car name? they don't have the language I don't even know what's going on right. so n now what what's the next step okay well I want to tell you the problem with the standard response the standard response is they we prepare them right hey Jonathan finish your last yes. you, know, you finish up your French toast or go get your lovey because we're heading out to school which right? seems really responsible it does but it doesn't say to the caveman you can stay calm. You don't have to raise your club. This is not an emergency. We're going to be just fine in this change of circumstance. Oh. So what you as a parent, I'm going to be really specific. What you as a parent, in my humble opinion, need to do is you've got to use the thinker to calm the caveman so that everybody can push out out into the car and get to school easily. Hmm. And the fastest way to do that is to engage the vagal system in the body. Hmm. So if I've got a kid and I've got to move them from the kitchen table to school, I start, I'll start to sing a song, you know, um, you know, we're going to school, we're going to school. Ain't that cool? <laughs> what do we need to do in order to go to school? And I know some parents are like, well, I don't know how to sing. I, well, I don't know how to sing either, but I do, I do not, I do want to get to school. And I want to get, like, in my life, I had to take my kid and whatever she was wearing. You yeah. Know, she's been to, she's been to school plenty of times in PJs because, you know, the key was to get her there, right? So you, you basically use singing, swaying, swaddling, swinging to bridge the transition. Now, with the resistant mm. child, let's say you get them to the door and their brain starts to go, ah, school, <laughs> no, all these test demands, I don't wanna do it, I don't wanna do it. Um, my best friend's not gonna be there today, it's gonna be horrible. Mm. Um, what you do at the threshold is you say, we're stepping in, we're stepping out, something like that. Mm -hmm. We're stepping in, we're stepping out. <gasps> when will we go to the car? You decide, are we gonna go now? We're stepping in, we're stepping out. Will it be right now? And you get them to push the, okay, we're moving forward button. And then once you get to the car, 
you I would definitely try to get them to swing or sway. So let's say they're holding their lovey or if it's an older kid, they're holding their sports ball. Mm -hmm. Then you're saying, we put it right, we put it left. Okay, your turn. You tell me. We put it right, we turn it left. So you're getting them to physically move in their car seat so that you're still engaging the vagal system Mm. as they're slowly moving away from the house, seeing all of their comfort and security go through the back window. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Mm. I mean, so good. And it's like, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm like, and I'm sure other people are like, and when is she coming to my house or <laughs> recording these songs? You can do this. You can do that. <laughs> you just, you just make it up and just put it, it song. I actually, on my Facebook page, I, I posted a neuro, neuro, uh, she's a, I don't know what she is, a neuro, neuroscientist from Australia talking about how important it is to sing to your children. Mm. I'm happy to share that with you. Ooh. And it's gotten a lot of shares. So um, singing is magic and it, it doesn't matter. You don't have to carry a tune. What you're doing is you're relying on what the brain knows well, and that is rhythm, tempo, and timing in order to keep the caveman calm so the thinker can get the body to do what it needs to do. I love all of that, the rhythm, tempo, and timing. And, and it does say, you know, you really don't need, you know, your uh, a beautiful tone of voice. You're, you're, you're going for something else. And, you know, it can, it can be more sort of, poetic and rappy if you need it to be oh, I'm totally. sure right yeah. um so I I love all those things that you're saying and I just want to put high beams on one of the things that you sort of said in in passing which is you know you have to you have to sort of let go a little bit let go of your you know of this idea that you need to do things in a very specific way that you've been doing all along um, and kind of embrace some of these new strategies, even if they feel a little uncomfortable. And we have to remember that this is not giving in to a child. Mm -hmm. This is using applied neuroscience to get the child to grow a brain where they're going to be a pro-social, successful, confident human being. Mm. Um, And if you don't want to sing, that's no challenge either. Just get out some pencils or drumsticks or or drum on the table and just be we're going to school you know just you don't have to sing but singing swaying swaddling and swinging is like actually in the literature there's Mm -hmm. all sorts of vagal response literature and and there's all this entrainment literature I won't make you go into it Robin can I say can I tell you quite honestly one thing I would have changed as a parent related to this Uh, please do (laughs) please do I feel like as a parent, I did a lot of this for my child, and I would have taught them how to do it for themselves. So tell me more about that. Well, swaying specifically. So, you know, if you just like, you know, lean into your thighs or sway back and forth or um, even sway side to side, and I I would let the child lead me. So I'd say... You know, um, Jessica, we're heading off to school. Sometimes that makes my brain a little nervous. Will you hold my hands and sway with me? And I would let her be the teacher so that she's not always relying on me to do the vagal stimulation activities that she, in when we get in the car, would kind of learn to rock side to side or sing a song. What tape would I like? Oh, let me think. What tape would I like to? I think I'll sing, you know, the Beatles today. Mm -hmm. So I would have done it less for her and taught her more to do it for herself by using me as the interim object. So she would teach me and then she would learn how to do it for herself. Right. Because the one who can teach it can can really do it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. That's really important. So if a child then 
you know, refuses to get dressed, for example. Okay, we'll use a different one because now we did the car. So Mm -hmm. now they're refusing to get dressed or brush their teeth. Mm-hmm. How would you how would you use your singing and swaying and swaddling and that sort of sort of thing? Okay, so the, you know the swinging, swaying, swaddling is basically using the vagal response. Okay, mm-hmm. so sometimes you can actually engage the thinker by asking questions. So I'll just show you a different strategy. Okay. So it's not the same one. So you know, anytime a kid won't brush their teeth or won't take a shower or won't get dressed, the first question you've got to ask yourself, I think, isn't just why. But what's the barrier? Mm. I wouldn't say why. I'd say what's the barrier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the barrier is a sensory issue. Um, you know, the child can't brush their teeth because it hurts, and then mm. you got to work around that. Or they can't put their clothing on because um, you washed it and tied, and you should have used their Purex or mm. whatever. So you got to say, am I putting a barrier in the way that the brain is over responding to? Because if I am, I need to take that barrier away. Now, if it's more, they're. they're they don't have the cognitive flexibility to go from a preferred activity to a non-preferred mm-hmm. activity. That's when you engage the thinker and kind of get creative. Mm-hmm. And I ask questions. I say, you know, um, Jeremiah, what color shirt are you going to wear today? And he's like, well, you know, I'm busy playing my Legos. Mm-hmm. I don't want to decide about my shirt. And I'm like, yeah, but your friends are waiting for school and we're looking at the clock. We know that we've got to leave in about six minutes. So the first thing we could do is, do you want to choose your shirt or do you want to choose your pants? Mm-hmm. I would start asking him questions that are moving him in the right direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what I wouldn't do is say, what's wrong with you? We've been here before. I wouldn't do any of the no contempt, no shaming, no blaming, mm-hmm. because that just puts them in defensive brain. Right. You want to keep them out of the stress response, Dr. Robin. You want to get, keep them moving forward, because also what you're doing is you're building a skill today that they're going to be able to use tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. And then you don't even have to coach too much about the shirt. You could say, oh, look, looks like you're on your way. looks like you're not needing me okay I got dishes to wash mm-hmm. right what's your plan well, you're gonna come out when do you want to come out and show me that you're fully dressed and then we'll ga- gather your soccer stuff and head out so as soon as you can shift the responsibility accountability and agency to the kid you do do that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean you don't have to walk them through well now which socks are you gonna get now which shoes are you? and then you're like oh my god I'm gonna be late I didn't, I didn't even right. brush my own hair and I gotta go to work you just are coaxing, it's this yellow brick road of development, and you're just pushing them onto the next brick. And once they're standing on the next brick and doing what they need to do, you're like, awesome sauce. You know, mommy's got lots of things to take care of too. While you're doing your work, I'm doing my work. Meet you in the kitchen in two minutes. So you're not looking to micromanage your child, clearly. No, you're trying to nudge them. You're trying to nudge them into a new pro-social skill set with an executive function skill. They either don't have or aren't using at the current time. So if your child is, let's say you've identified one of the barriers is um, they don't want to go upstairs by themselves. Let's say a pretty common one for young kids because they like company or they are nervous by, you know, being by themselves, going upstairs to their room by themselves. Do you then give in in that way and sort of go up with your child to move things along or do you press them and say like you can do this you've done this before so why not now like what are you supposed to do when you already know they can do something and they're not they're not doing it well you got to remember that every moment is different for a child you know like sometimes a child didn't eat well sometimes a child didn't sleep well sometimes they had a nightmare you don't know about so you don't have to coddle them your your job is to 
get them to incorporate these skills so that they can be successfully successful functioning human you know functioning human beings. So what I say is, you know, um, I say you know Rebecca, you've been upstairs before. What's the what's in the way right now? Mm, mm. And she goes, oh, I'm lonely, mommy, and you were out of town, and I didn't get to see you. Mm. And you're like, okay, so because you're eight, and I really think that eight year olds need to like you can do this. Let's make a plan. You run up, you come down, and how do we show our love together? Mm. Something like that. Because you, you're right. You don't want them to backslide, and you don't want right. them doing everything for you. But if she's going to go into limbic overload, now I don't want to reinforce, and we don't. You don't want to reinforce a kid into a tantrum. Well, I'm gonna, and so you got to come with me. Um, but what you want to do is be asking yourself, what's the task demand? What's the behavioral expectation? Does she have the skills right now to do it? If she does. I'm going to coax her along and tell her what the benefit is of doing it and coming down. If she doesn't seem to have the ta the skill set right now, then I'm going to facilitate it. But maybe I go to the top of the steps and I let her go into her room, grab her stuff, and then I run down the stairs with her and race with her. Mm, mm -hmm. Because you want to engage the cerebellum and the motor centers of the brain a lot because it helps with alerting and um I probably would do that. I would turn it into a little bit of a, a game like that. I wouldn't reward her. I wouldn't promise her things. I would probably problem solve with her. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Get them to start thinking what's in the way. Right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Okay. I like all of that. And I think it's important because these are just typical things that, you know, happen on a daily basis in people's houses, you know, and, and I mean, how many times do our children, you know, say to us something like, can you tie my shoe for me today? You know, when we are like, but you, you've been tying your shoes all summer or, mm -hmm. you know, we've, remember like we were so mm -hmm. excited when you were able to, mm -hmm. you know, dress yourself and I don't need to pick out your clothes anymore. So another sentence as the kids are getting older is I could do that for you, but is that the, is that the helpful thing for me to do? Mm -hmm. I could do that for you and I love you. But is you know my job as a parent isn't just to do things for you; it's to put the skills inside of you. Mm. And since we know you already have that skill, do you want to pull it out of your pocket and use it? Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a good time. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also, Dr. Robin, you know this from parenting your own children. You know when children do that, they're they're not looking to be um, manipulative; they're just looking for love. Yes. So I'll often say, you know, you get the task done, and then let's do our loving. You get the task done, and let's mm. go play the drums. You get the task done, and let's go kick the soccer ball, or even just sing or jump or hop on the way to the car. Mm -hmm. So just if you promise them the love, and the, they're they're trying to build attachment and connection, but they're doing it in a slightly regressive way. Right. So, encourage them to get the skill done and then you'll move on to the good stuff. Mm -hmm, right. I mean, I, <laughs> sometimes my son will say things like, you know, I haven't seen you all day and I, I want you to come with me or I just want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, I really don't want to feed this anxiety monster <laughs> that's currently holding your hand and telling you mm -hmm. you can't go upstairs by yourself or mm -hmm. go downstairs by yourself, you know, in the basement you know, where all scary things apparently must lurk because and if, bugs there or something. I mean, you know, you're quite competent, so I'm, I'm not really speaking to you about this, but if your child says, you know, I haven't seen you all day and I'm wanting to spend time with you, therefore I want you to come upstairs with me, you say, hey, man, you're nine. What do nine-year-olds do with their moms? Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, they kick soccer balls and they do that. And you're like, okay, I'm changing into my bathing suit. Right. You know, meet you by the pool. Right. So you just kind of introduce to them, remind them without shaming. Right. You remind them that, 
You know, we don't have to go backward in our skills in order for you to get love. We can keep moving forward. Right. Oh, so good. So good. I love that sentence you just said. I think that is so good. Thank you. So I, as I told you, had like a couple of people to send some questions my way because they knew that you were going to be talking to us today. And we've already covered some of it, but I... I just need to ask you this very sort of specific question from one listener in California who said, we've been trying to give our son space during transition so we can process it and get to the we're leaving point on his own rather than pushing him over and over again. But there are times when we're late mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's gone right to the edge of the time set. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help that, you know, that the, the dad who's giving me this question is like, I have a thing about punctuality, which mm-hmm. a lot of people do. And I have nothing mm-hmm. against that. That fits fine. But how do we handle those moments? Yelling doesn't help. He just mm-hmm. digs in. I can't just pick him up and throw him in the car. So mm-hmm. how do we handle those? You just need to do this now moments mm-hmm. better. And, mm-hmm. and what do we do when we just don't have the time to be patient? Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's two pieces to that. I think that one piece is, what if you're leading up to the go time? What should you do then? Like mm-hmm. it's not actually on the point, but you've got to be, you know, because the, there is a little preparation. Like as an example, if you're leading up to go time and the kid, what happens is if you send a kid, kid to grab a skill set that he doesn't possess, it's not there for him to grab. Mm-hmm. So if you're leading up to the time, then I would approach the child and say, the family's needing to go where I'm needing to go. We all have different needs, right? I'm needing to go, what are we going to need to do together in order to make that happen? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have a minute. Talk with me. Problem solve with me. What are we going to do together in order to make that happen? Because you want the kid to have agency. You want them to have accountability and responsibility. Mm-hmm. And he might say, I have no idea. I was trying. And, you know, I mm-hmm. went to my yoga space and, you know, I couldn't I couldn't even yoga. I couldn't do it today. And um, that wasn't helping. You know, he does that sort of he That's telling you I couldn't pull up the skill set. You mm-hmm. gave me space to pull it up. I didn't have the space. And so now you come in and you say, okay, I'm here to help. Um, you know, we, we got to problem solve this because it's it's really time to go. The other time is when you just got to go. Yes. You tried all the good love and stuff and you've been a conscious parent and you've been really calm and you've been really loving and it's not working. And then you just have to say, Jonathan, it's go time. Jonathan, it's go time. And we really worked together today to try to solve how we we're going to do this easily for your brain. But now you need to be the best coach for your brain and we, and you got to tell your brain it's time to go. All right? So, and that's when I would say in the past, you know, wrapping yourself in the blanket in the car has helped mm-hmm. or in the past turning on the music has helped. How can we help your brain make the shift it needs to make so that your body can walk out this door? Mhm. Mm-hmm. And then if I have to, I will swaddle. I have swaddled many children. I have rubbed children's feet. I've put socks on their feet. I've, I would contain their body. Um, uh, you know, when we swaddle them, we swaddle them underneath their armpits so that they can breathe. There's never any challenge. But we might say, oh, it's go time. You know, you want to grab your green blanket or am I going to snuggle you myself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it's go time. And they might cry. And, and that, that, you know, we our children... 
we all as human beings need to experience distress in mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do, and I'm telling you things you already know, we need to experience distress in the company of somebody with whom we feel mm-hmm. safe and love. Mm-hmm. So then as you're holding them and they're screaming, you, you're saying to them, I know this is really hard. We tried other ways. Mm-hmm. Your brain feels really panicked right now. It's mm-hmm. really frightened. You don't say all those words at one time. I hear you, I get it, I'm with, with with you in these big feelings, we're sharing these big feelings together, but we're still going to function well. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's important that in that moment that you're you're calm, you're not <laughs> yelling, and it's, it's, hard. it's really, really hard because you're feeling like you're going to be late and you feel like you've been through this before and you're frustrated. But it's that time when you need to be the one who's calm because that will help regulate their brains and at least, at the very least, let them know that you're there to to help them and you're not there to shame them or scold them. So at, le- at the very least, even if they're not calm in that moment, they know you are. Now, I will tell you for your um, you know, colleagues in, in California, there are times when the child unintentionally puts you in a double bind. Mm-hmm. And that is when they're really in the middle of the stress response. So Mm -hmm. that's where you're trying to problem solve with them, but they're beyond the ability to cognitively work through it. So you're like, Jonathan, it's go time. Is it going to be your green blanket or is it going to be me? And they reject everything you say. Sure. You know that. So that's not going to work. And I hate you and I don't want to touch you. And I hate my green blanket. You can't take that personally. You've got to know that they crossed the threshold into a full stress response. And now you've just got to keep them moving. And it's hard because they're literally spewing out like Mm -hmm. uh, like a water fountain. And one of my books, I called it, they're raining on you or you're raining on them. They're raining out emotion and you're picking it up. Yes. And all you want to do is like, Leave them at home with the sitter and exactly, go to work. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> absolutely. You're so frustrated, mm-hmm. but the amygdala gate has come down, and there is just <laughs> no way that you are going to get through to them for uh-huh. another twenty minutes. At that point, it is. It's like the dam opened. You yes. just. I'm going to have a new metaphor because it is. If you've been in this situation, it's like the dam opened, and you think you're never. You think you're going to drown too. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember, you know, I know being in that situation where your child is starting to say, you know, I hate you and you're the worst parent in the world. And you've tried for like so long at that point. You're like, oh, you're just so angry about you know, somebody calling you names or, or saying these things to you that you you're having these thoughts in your head of, yes, just leaving them there, you know, <laughs> just be like, forget it. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to have an abusive person <laughs> telling me they hate me. And while I'm trying to be, you know, loving. So I, I really get it because, of course, it happens in all of our homes, even with the amount of knowledge that comes our way. It still happens that that our kids are going to say those things. And the idea of not taking it personally is ch- is challenging, but it is true because it really isn't about you as the parent or the teacher in that moment. Yeah, it's about you transferring skills into that kid. Mm-hmm. And you know, Dr. Robin, you said something that really needs to be highlighted and you said, you know, helping for so long. Um, we don't wanna do this for hours. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about is literally, you know, the five, six, seven to 10 minutes getting out the door mm. or getting dressed or we don't if if we're not if we're not successful in either engaging the thinker or engaging the 
vagal system or problem solving with the child or using creative engagement, if we're not successful, then we're going to circle back another time and keep layering on the moments of success. If we just don't, if we don't spoil the moment and ruin it and freak out because, you know, I did what Dr. Lynn was telling me and it didn't work. And so now I'm just going to tell you, you know, I won't tell you what I heard the other day. Yeah. I'm going to change the scent. It was really bad. Oh. And I was like, oh, no, don't say that to your child. Um, but, you know, say things like, oh, I was really trying to help your brain. You were really trying to help your brain. Okay, now I'm going to help your body. We're going to move on, mm-hmm. you know. Shall I put you on my feet and we're walking out? Shall I carry you? Um, I'm going to have to choose. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, work it out with you. Mm-hmm. But mommy's going to choose. Because the good news is that I'm the parent and I'm the one who's here to help. Mm-hmm. So it always goes back to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just don't let yourself say things that you can't take back. Ooh, yes. And of course, exercise the apology if you did say something. <laughs> because right. of course, people are listening. They're like, oh, no. I have that moment when I'm speaking where I'll be like talking about some kind of strategy and, and what to say or what not to say. And I see my audience all of a sudden like, <gasps> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, like, okay, but if you've done this, and they're like, and they all, of course, all laugh. You know, I'm like, it's okay. We can, we can do this. We can, we can apologize. We can go back. We can say, I wish I did it differently. We could say, here's Here's what I would have done differently. Here's what I would have said differently. Next time I will do this differently because, of course, we're going to make mistakes. But that is normal. It Absolutely. is normal. Yeah. It's normal to make these mistakes, and every parent has been in these situations. And and hopefully, you have some incredible parent friends or teacher friends where you can let it out and say, mm-hmm. "Look at what happened this morning." I did all of these things and nothing worked. And, you know, I had to bring a bowl of jelly essentially into my car and it was mm-hmm. really challenging. So, um, yeah, this is so such an important, um, important things to to exercise these different strategies. And I appreciate what you're saying about those. So another one of our listeners um, it, it's sort of a very similar situation, but a little bit different, says She'd love to hear how to manage other children while dealing with the one who's stuck. Mm -hmm. Now, this is, you know, this can be a teacher situation or a parent situation when you have multiple kids as a parent or, you know, you have a classroom where it might be happening. And this parent says, especially before school, so of course, you know, timing is everything. Well, it's back to school, so it's a good, it's everyone's facing this right now. Right, everybody's facing this. I've got people who are going, who've already gone back to school at this point, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and then I've got people who are going back next week. Um, But, so especially before school, do I make everyone late over the stuck one, Mm -hmm. or do I somehow pause the stuck one deliver the others to school and then go back you know with mm-hmm. the stuck one i guess maybe you have the one who is stuck in the car somehow and and then bring them back and 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 work with them like how do you how do you deal when you have other other children waiting mhm well you know there's no one size fits all mm-hmm. that's the first thing to know there's no and i would say to a parent usually in your heart you know the answer you know what's going to suit your family best Um, but what I usually, I usually don't leave the stuck one behind because what I tell the children and the families with whom I worked, I say, we're a family together and we all live our values together and we lift one another up. Mm. So I need the community to help me right now, the classroom community or the family community 
to figure out how we're all going to do this successfully. And that does, you do have to have kind of laid down a foundation of we're a family, we're connected, we lift one another up, we have certain missions, et cetera. On my blog, I've got a post right now on the family mission statement. Because when you lay this solid collaborative foundation, then these don't feel like crises as much. Mm. So you, I would turn, I would then say everybody now has a role. Okay. We have a stuck one and we all have a role. So what's the plan here? And then somebody will say, well, I'll bring the sports equipment out. And then someone else says, well, I'll bring his scooter out. And then you all work. Now you're like in, uh, you know, it's you're the fire department. <laughs> mm, I like that. And yeah, you got to get the whole community working together. You can't have then somebody being jealous or angry. Oh, he always gets the attention and I never get the attention. And he's all, it's got to be, all right, here we are. Circle, circle the fire engines. Everyone's got a job. And I would, I personally wouldn't leave him behind, but every family is different and every circumstance is different. Mm -hmm. And the degree of diagnosis is different, but Mm -hmm. for kids who have skill deficits, who need um, you know, b- better executive function skills, et cetera, et cetera, I would say, all right, so, and then I would turn to him and I, I would go, okay, the cavalry came, mm-hmm. everyone's wearing their fireman hat, you know, you've got your axe, let's head out to the car. And then the other thing that I didn't add is that the car now becomes the womb. We can't forget that it's not like you left all the good in your house. Now you bring all of your goodness into the car mm-hmm. and now it's the nest or the womb or whatever. Um, I liked calling it a nest. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. You know, like my, I have my had a sensory child, and when she would leave school, she literally would want to get in her car and just hit me because she was so frustrated mm. and so overwhelmed. Mm, mm. And so I just, and this was when she was really little, I would like literally m- make a nest out of her car seat and bring it to school and say, okay, now I've got your blankie and I've got your thing, and I know you're overwhelmed, and I know you just want to lash out, and I understand but I want you to get like a birdie into your nest and I'm going to wrap you up and then we're going to figure this out together. Mm. So, you know, most people would say, well, whatever, you know, why would a kid be hitting you? Well, they're not hitting you because they want to, they're hitting you because they're lost and their Mm. sensory system is on complete overload. Mm. Mm. I'm so comforted by what you're saying right now. Just this idea of, of, you know, putting a, a child in sort of that cocoon, that nest where they feel so, so safe and loved and warm. And and I feel like it's really doable in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, so I, I like that. And I also really like the idea of, of making the car the nest because I, I know as a parent, when you're, you're getting frustrated, and then that child is, you know, had such struggles getting into the car that by the time the child gets into the car you're overloaded you're Mm -hmm. frustrated and then Mm -hmm. you start getting you know you start saying things Mm -hmm. that you may not mean or you may not say anything at all right because you're so frustrated that you're just grunting at that point you're just angry so to understand that then you need to push forward and kind of make that that safe place that warm place well, certainly, if that's the case, then the child will be, be more calm in the car, but they may also be more willing to get into it at a later date. I think what you're saying is brilliant, and it really brings me to an aha I had as a psychologist after seeing families for over 25 years. 
And that was in the beginning, I bought into, well, let's develop a strategy, you know, let's develop a tool. And now I look at it really differently. I think, what's the end game? And my end game is to raise a child with a well-connected brain and body so that they can be a caring, conscientious, compassionate, happy human being. Mm. So every time you're doing one of these little things, you're not just using a strategy or uh, maybe some parents would say you're giving in. You're, you're basically trying to build the neural highways in the brain so you can get more parts of the brain and body connected so the kid can be what my friend Nacho Armani calls a whole molecule. Mm. Mm. And that's what shift every, shifted everything for me. Yeah, that end game is, is really important. Yeah. The end game the end isn't game. getting to school mm-hmm. or getting in the car mm-hmm. or having them clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. It's really about becoming that whole human and mm-hmm. then a good human. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that adult that you w- would hope that they become eventually. And I, I think that's a really important shift. Um, and of course, only comes when you've been through it all, which you have, you know, you have successful kids um, and now are a grandparent and, and you've done, you know, so much wonderful professional work in this area that you've seen it all. And, and it's, it's great to be able to get those aha moments along the way. It really does show that we're always learning. And if everybody could just take away from this, whatever suits them, because everyone's experience is different. Everybody's child is different. You've got to fill your toolkit with what works for you. But if you're, you've got to just basically decide what kind of kids you want to raise. Mm. And that's always your true north. Mm. And if you're always heading toward your true north, then you're going in the right direction. It's never going to be a straight line, not with a complicated child or an anxious child or a fearful child or a sensory child. It won't be a straight line, but you'll slowly be doing this little circle, laying down neural highways in the brain until eventually you have this beautiful whole molecule. Mm, Love it. Okay, give us your top tip out of everything we've talked about or we maybe even haven't mentioned. How is it that you would say the top tip related to tempers and tantrums, how do we help our child the most? I think the top tip is... um, Beyond everything else, just promise yourself that you'll be there, you'll be present, and you'll try to remain calm. Mm -hmm. Because if you, we used a lot of big words, limbic Mm -hmm. system, blah, blah, blah. You are the agent of change. And if you bring your whole self to the party and try to stay calm, slowly things will begin to fall into place. Mm -hmm. Mm, so important. We uh, interviewed Dr. Dan Siegel recently, who uh, wrote a book called Aware that's just coming mm-hmm. out. And, uh, you know, he, he talks a lot about, you know, just being being aware of of what you're paying attention to and in your own body. And, and I think that that really connects with what you're saying right now that we need to you know, we need to know that we are the agent and that our children are not just looking towards us but they're feeling us right they're feeling what we're feeling and they're they they know whether they need to be on alert they need they know whether um we're really frustrated with them which is normal um and they know when it's it's okay to calm down because we've got this just from watching you and really feeling you at the same Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, that the, another important ending point is that you've got to, if you're a full-time working parent or a teacher mm-hmm. and you've got to get out of your house early, yep. you've got to do a lot of preparation the day before because you just said the key. They're picking up on your energy and you're mm-hmm. feeling rushed. And, um, you know, so be, preparing the night before and taking care of you and then preparing to be the parent in the morning to take care of them mm-hmm is also a really helpful kind of brain shift, a different way of looking at it that can take you out of damage control. Oh, I love that. Yeah, somebody said to me at one point that, you know, you have to wake up early, not because of them, but because of mm-hmm. you. If you want mm-hmm. the extra time to have the, <laughs> the hot cup of coffee, to be able to think. One of, my, one of my really good friends says, like, she loves getting up early because it's her time. And she feels so much more calm and connected when she gets up early before everybody else uh, even though you know yes in theory would she love to sleep the extra half an hour yeah she would but it's even more important for her to do as you said to take care of herself so I, I think that's a really important point so. I feel kind of calm and hopeful and excited for the school year given that you know we could use these skill sets to help the children who are having more challenges and maybe feel calmer as parents and teachers and I saw on Twitter my favorite mantra right now is that I saw on Twitter um, sometimes we look at the child and we say what's wrong with you instead of what happened to you mm. or what's going on with you mm. and that's been what I've been taking you know I'm meeting with people all around the world this year and that's what I've been kind of taking as a, an opening at some of our, our talks. Mm, what a we need a whole fresh say. perspective. Absolutely. What an important thing to say and what an important shift to go from, you know, understanding or thinking to yourself that that there's something that's going into this child's system or something going on in this child's world that can be affecting his behavior instead of him choosing that behavior and that there's something, you know, wrong, defective, you know, that he or he's doing it on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think what you're saying is really important with there. Tell me the resource of the week. Where can people get more information about you and your awesome strategies and the things that you're <laughs> doing right now? Well, you're welcome to come to my website, lynnkenny.com. I'm posting a lot on my Facebook page right now because I'm curating research and preparing for a bunch of talks. Um, That's just Dr. Lynn Kenny. Mm -hmm. And I really look forward. It's just a joy to talk with you. And it's going to be an exciting, beautiful back to school. And um, I hope that we provided some helpful strategies today. I think you did. I think they're all fabulous. And I I know that people are going to be asking more and more. I I can't wait to have you on again. I think every time that you're on, I feel like we, we all learn something. So thank you so much. My joy. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways and sweet friends. I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page and absolutely go to Dr. Lynn Kenny's page because she always has so many interesting things up there. Let's chat about this. DrRobinSilverman.com or Twitter.com slash Dr. Robin. I'm also on Instagram. You can check me out there. I'll have memes up of all these great things that Dr. Lynn said. And she did say so many great things that I want to put on memes so you can share them so readily. If you love 
love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it because these are some outstanding and really hands-on solutions that all of us could use and learn from. So I hope you will share it and love it and talk about it and rate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts up there, show notes are up there as well. All the links that Dr. Lynn talked about will also be in those show notes. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, I know you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know that you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.